Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture this morning comes from Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 3. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Brian. And thanks, everybody. Zach, do you happen to know where the remote is? What? Oh, okay. I grabbed the wrong stand. Well, welcome to the second Sunday in Epiphany. We are in a sermon series entitled Called Up. And here's what we mean. It's, it's not all that subtle, is it? We are going to be called by God to do the bigger and bigger thing that God is doing. We are called to partner with God to do the bigger thing that God is doing. And by the way, God is doing a really big thing. And all God's people said. And the thing is, God, rightly or wrongly, has decided that it would be a good idea to work in and through chronically human and chronically normal people like us like us. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I would submit to you that the, the biggest things that God wants us to do, to, to give ourselves to, probably can best be described in phrases like, it'll be an uphill climb. Maybe also in a phrase like, this is going to be a long game. You better take the long game approach if you're going to be involved with God doing the big thing that God is doing. As the story goes, a while back, a guy walked up on a Little League baseball game. Walked up on a Little League baseball game and just sort of said to one of the kids in the dugout, hey, what's the score? Kid says, we're down 18 to nothing. Old man said, hey, don't, don't get discouraged kid says, discouraged? We haven't got the bat yet. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we're down 18 to nothing, but it's a long game. And yeah, it, it might be an uphill climb, but we're in for the uphill climb. 18 to nothing. We haven't even got bat yet. Some of the greatest moments that our country, and I would say our world has ever seen, they have taken place when people have undertaken the uphill climb. Not unlike this guy. Whew. Man, what a, what a perfect time to revisit the story of Jackie Robinson. I mean, it's MLK weekend. I hope that you will join us on Monday for what we always do as we are a part of the MLK parade that the, that the city puts on. By the way, do you know that for the parade that the city puts on, the MLK Day parade, do you know that Oklahoma City First Church every year is responsible to get the judges area set up, to find the judges for the, for the whole thing, and to actually cook uh, hot dogs? That's like, like our role each year. We're actually a crucial part of it, and I hope you'll be there with us tomorrow. You can't miss it. There's instructions, and you'll hear more about it later. Hope you'll be be there with us tomorrow. But what a perfect weekend to talk about Jackie Robinson. 
He is the guy who broke the color barrier in the major leagues. Huge. Huge. The day that he took the field, uh, April 15th, 1947, to take the field, he took, and he played first base for the Brooklyn Dodgers. You all, the world changed a little bit. No, not completely, right? The change wasn't completed that day. The change may not be completed yet. But something big happened when he stepped on the field. Something big. Now, here's a guy, Jackie Robinson, who said things like this. A life not, is not important except in, in the impact that it has on other lives. Whew, I wish I had said that. Here's another one. I do believe that what I was able to attain came to be because we put behind us, listen to this, we put behind us the dogmas of the past to discover the truth of today and perhaps the greatness of tomorrow. Man, this is a guy who had the entirety of the uphill climb in mind. The entirety of this, one of the longest games ever, he had it all in mind. You can kind of hear it in a quote like that. And, and perhaps you can see it in a clip like this. They call him country, scholars hitless in four trips. Prime Casey in his second inning for leap. This game is just as tight as a new pair of shoes on a rainy day. Casey goes into his windup. Slaughter hits a hot ground ball, Brad Reese, who fires it over to Jack at first. Oh, my! Robinson is down. Slaughter spiked him high up on the leg, and he is down. You know what you're doing, you spike my guy! Get up, Jackie. Get up, boys, get him up. Just stay off, the King Doc will be right out. Kill. Oh. Next guy up, you hit him right in the head, all right? No, 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 Get him out. Just get him out. Understand? Game's too important. Just get him out. Play ball. You're a tough man, Jake. Let's get him out. Oh, man. The, the rules, especially the unspoken rules in baseball, are very dangerous. <laughs> like when somebody, and that was a dirty play, by the way. Kid had his, Jack Robinson had his foot on first base. The guy could have run around and not crushed his ankle, but he did. He crushed his ankle. And the unspoken rules of the game go like this. Okay, then you plant one, maybe even near the head of the next guy who's up. Jackie Robinson knew the rules of the game, the unspoken rules of the game. But what he said was, and apparently this is all very true, he says, well, nope, that is not going to be how we do this. In fact, you all, Jackie Robinson chose nonviolence which made it an even longer game, a, an even steeper uphill climb. But Jackie Robinson chose nonviolence. Man, it's going to be tough. Well, welcome to Epiphany. <laughs> it may not seem like the typical Epiphany sermon, a season we described last week often with the word wow. And it's not that the wow isn't present today, but it may not be where we expect to find it, the wow. Today, we're not given the big, booming voice of God in Christ's baptism. We got that last week. We're not even given the feel-good, magical story of the wise men who hear God speaking in their own languages. We got that on the day of Epiphany. Today, we've been given uphill climbs, struggles, heartache, anxiety. But it might be the case that in your life today, there's more of that than there is the wow that we discussed last week. 
Which brings us to our text, Isaiah chapter 62. Let me give you a little bit of a historical backdrop there. The people have returned from Babylonian exile. They've been given permission and also gifts and resources from Cyrus, the king of Persia, who defeated the Babylonians and who had rescued Israel from their banishment and their captivity. And he said to them, go home, rebuild, and here are some more monetary gifts to rebuild the temple. And so they got all the way back to Jerusalem. The wall was in tatters, in shambles. The temple was, there was not even one stone upon another. It was a wreck. The whole city was a wreck. And they had been there for a long time, and it turns out the improvements and the rebuilding was taking longer than they thought. It was going to be very, very tough. Turns out the land was no longer unoccupied. Others had moved in. And even with all of these gifts from Cyrus, king of Persia, they found they had very little to work with. And they were starting to abandon any hope that they could restore the temple to its former glory. And then the surrounding peoples, the people around the people of Israel who had come home, they began to mock the Israelites, saying things like this, you have been abandoned again. You have been forsaken again. We'll call this patch of ground where you live, we'll call it desolate. We call it empty, barren, hopeless. And then you get Isaiah 62. But who is speaking in Isaiah 62? I will cry out. I will not rest until Israel is salvaged somehow or vindicated. We hear that word a couple times. Who's speaking? Is it God? Well, some people think it's God. But more recently, people are starting to say, no, it's, it's not God. But it seems to be somebody shouting at God. It seems to be somebody saying, hang on, God, remember, these are your promises made to us, and we're going to lean into them. We're going to grip them with both hands, but we need you to show up. Our other passages are actually a lot like that, too. In Psalm 36, we, you heard me read part of it earlier today. Psalm 36, let me read you the first four verses that didn't get read today. The psalmist, the songwriter says, Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in their hearts. There is no fear of God before their eyes. For they flatter themselves in their own eyes that their iniquity cannot be found and hated. Their words of their mouths, their mouths are mischief and deceit. They have ceased to act wisely and do no good. They plot mischief while on their beds. They are set on a way that is not good. They do not reject evil. Wow. So these folks represent to God there is this current threat, God. Things are not okay. We need you to show up. Verse five says, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. And then, like crying out to remind God of who God is and what God has said, says this in verse 10. God, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your salvation to the upright of heart. God, things are not okay right now, but we still hope in you and remind you of what you said in your promises to us. Things are not okay right now, but we're here trusting in who you are and what you can do. There was also in John chapter two, another passage I could have spoken from today, there was this wedding and things are not okay. Things are not okay at this wedding. And as we are going through our own wedding circumstances, I now recognize how absolutely catastrophic this could have been. I mean, not in our case necessarily, but they ran out of wine, and that's a bad thing. They ran out of the wine, and they were risking great embarrassment. There's a lot, there's a lot hanging on this moment. 
And Mary recognizes that there's a lot hanging on this moment. This is potentially catastrophic and embarrassing turn of events. Reputations are on the line. A young marriage hangs in the balance. Mary knows that her God, that she understands to be Jesus, needs to do something. It's not okay. So she reaches out in hope and in great confidence to Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus' response to her was, woman. (laughs) Yes, they've run out of wine, but what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, you can almost see her eyes rolling, just do whatever he tells you. Verse 11, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. But Mary knew in the moment that things weren't okay. And so she reached out. She reached out in hope and in confidence. The prophet in Isaiah 62, things are not okay. Things are not okay. But the prophet, like the psalmist, reaches out in hope and confidence that the God who made the promises would live up to and into those same promises. My suspicion is, and I know this to be true in some of your lives, things are not okay. But that does not nullify the promises of God. That things aren't okay today may be the reasons, and by the way, it would be a good thing for you, for me, to reach out, to say something, to cry out, God, do something. The pain is significant. The fears are real. The anxiety is unshakable. It is a good time to cry out. In fact, if you need some words, why don't you try out Psalm 36? If you need some words, you can actually try out Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, now this is the prophet speaking to God. Maybe even speaking at God on behalf of the people, Israel, Jerusalem. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. You shall no more be termed forsaken. He's going to say, yes, I know that you've been calling me. I know that you've been saying this about our land here. You've been calling us desolate, barren, hopeless. But I'm telling you something, God, with your help, no longer shall they call us desolate, or forsaken. Your land shall no longer be called desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married. Married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. But friends, hear me. When this was written, if we, if we really do know what we think we know about the historical backdrop, things were not in this moment. When these words were written, things were not okay. There was still an uphill climb. There was still a very long game to be played. I mean, just listen to this from chapter 63, right after this. Why, Lord, why? Why do you make us stray from your ways and harden our hearts so that we do not fear you? Turn back for the sake of your servants, for the sake of your tribes that are your heritage. Things are still not okay in 64. God, I really, really wish 
that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known among your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. In other words, God, hey, listen, it's not just our reputation that's on the line here. It's yours too. You need to do something. Christians, it's okay to pray that prayer. Do something, God. I need it. And the people around us need to see you do it. So, had a great conversation this week with my friend Sarah McGee. And later on, you'll have a chance to come. And she's here for the Walt Crow Minister's Retreat. And later on, I hope you will take this opportunity to come and surround her in prayer. But... uh, (laughs) I show up to have coffee with Sarah, and, and after 10 minutes, and then 20 minutes, and then 30 minutes, it kept coming back to me, good grief. She has a stubborn hope. Good grief. There is a stubborn optimism here. Good grief. There is here real, deep, and firm belief that God will live up to God's promises. I don't know if I showed up to be any help to her or not, but I left having gotten a lot of help because Sarah McGee has a stubborn hope, not unlike the psalmist, not unlike Mary, not unlike the prophet here in Isaiah 62, 63, 64. So John, then where is the wow? Where, where is the epiphany moment? Can I still put my faith and my confidence in this God? Because I still have trouble. I still have pain and anxiety. And I'll say it to us again. But the trouble, the pain, the anxiety, it does not nullify the words of God's covenant and commitment. There is a wow here. There is a wow here. As it turns out, the wow of God, the wow of epiphany, it might be a long time coming or perhaps it's something that you only really appreciate, watch this, in hindsight. Sometimes when you can't say, look what God is doing, you still can say, look what God has done. Look what God has done. In any given day or hour or season, you may only be aware of the pain, the captivity, and the hopelessness, but sometimes God gives us the gift of remembering then in that moment. And sometimes when you can't claim victory for today, you could claim a lot of good stuff that God did yesterday. Maybe, maybe epiphany moments, maybe even our toughest and strongest situations can still have embedded within them epiphany moments but they may cause us to look back and see that God has, in fact, been trustworthy. Can we go back to Jackie Robinson? I told you that uh, he chose nonviolence. Does that sound familiar? Another man by the name of Martin Luther King suffered greatly in his struggle against racism, prejudice, MLK also chose nonviolence as a strategy. And please hear me again. That is a choice for the long game. Violence can win the momentary moment. I mean, just watch a movie. It can, it can win the passing battles, but nonviolence wins the most important wars. It may take longer. 
And it may be costly and painful, but in the end, nonviolence, see if you've heard this before, and love wins. I mean, if you don't believe me, would you ask Jesus? Would you ask MLK? Would you ask Jackie Robinson? Maybe even ask the second baseman on that same team, a guy by the name of Pee Wee Reese. Thank you, Jack. What are you thanking me for? I got family out there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. Hey, number one! You playing ball or socializing? Playing ball, huh? Playing ball. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. That way they won't tell us apart. Oh. Apparently that was also faithful to the story. There was this moment when Pee Wee Reese, who actually struggled the first time he saw Jackie in the locker room, but was won over by Jackie's posture his nonviolent posture, and his stubborn hope and optimism that this was all not a wasted effort. Apparently over a period of time, not only did he come to admire Jackie Robinson, he came to love Jackie Robinson. On Pee Wee Reese's tombstone, tombstone it says, Pee Wee Reese helped bridge the racial divide in baseball. Wow. Now, I'm sure there were days when it felt like it was all a failure, like when they step on your ankle and crush it, when there were the inevitable fights and sometimes even in the locker room. I'm sure that days felt like failures. But do you think when Jackie looked back, he could see the progress and the value of the long game and the uphill climb? I, I can tell you this. Major League Baseball itself sees the value of the contribution Jackie Robinson made in 1997. Major League Baseball retired his uniform number, not just for the Brooklyn, then the Los Angeles Dodgers, but for every Major League team. No one will ever again wear the number 42. He was the first professional athlete in any sport to be so honored. Baseball also adopted a new annual tradition called Jackie Robinson Day for the first time on April 15, 2004, the day on which every player on every team would wear 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson. There is no question that he made an enormous impact on the game. But I'm sure on some of those days, it was hard to appreciate how things were moving. But looking back, obviously now, baseball recognizes how much he accomplished. And now, he will be remembered forever and ever in every major league stadium for his contribution to baseball and the larger contribution to the struggle for equality. But as your pastor today, I hope that you also have the same opportunity to look back and see how far you've come. I hope you can look back and see not just how far you've come 
but how far God has carried you in the process. I've heard some of your testimonies. I have been there to witness some of your best, but also some of your worst days. I can tell you how far God has taken some of you. It might be tough to see today because perhaps your wounds are still fresh. Perhaps today you were confronted by fear. Maybe you're in the middle of the struggle that will inevitably rob you, us, of perspective. If so, may you find comfort in the words of the prophet and the psalmist. You're not alone. And God is plenty big enough to absorb your cries, your prayers, even your impatience. God's mind about you is made up, say it with me, and the news is good. But maybe you're in a different, better place today. Maybe the nightmare has passed, the scars are still tender, and you're still learning a new normal, but the worst of the pain is behind you, maybe. Perhaps today you'll be able to look back and trace the very presence of God who walked with you, alongside of you, in front for a while while leading you, behind sometimes while supporting you. Maybe today for you, there is a wow and epiphany available only in the gift hindsight. This is another reason that the Christian faith values memory and remembering. And here's where we do, I would submit, our best remembering around the table. It's here that we're reminded that the God who came to us in the most surprising of ways, actually, still reaches out to us, this time in bread and cup. May the gifts of the bread and the cup today remind you of the presence of the companion God who was there, who is there, who will be there. Wow. Wow. Yes, it's an uphill climb. Yes, it's the right thing to take a long game perspective Yes, God is still there, never absent. And sometimes, and maybe today is one of those times for you, the way to remind yourself that this God is never absent is to look back. So let's look back at the companion God today that we remember when we come to the table. So if you're helping us today, would you go ahead and come on down front? Heavenly Father, We'd ask that you would bless these elements, it's bread and it's cup, but bless the moments too. Bless us in ways that allow us to push everything else to the side. Bless us in ways that allow us to appreciate and remember how it is that you have brought us to this day. God, I pray for my friends in the room that I know are suffering mightily because of loss, because of pain, because of disease, because of loss of a job. I pray for them that somehow today that they may draw strength from the psalmist, strength from the prophet, who are still leaning into your promises and leaning into your character as the companion God. I pray also, God, that you would give us all grace especially these folks who are suffering today, to look back, to trace the different ways in which you have been present and available to us. 
helping, coming alongside, coaching, coaxing. Give us eyes to see what we might not have been able to see otherwise. Around here, we take communion by intention. And so let me give you a few instructions so that you know how this works. You can see that there are people at the front. In a moment, these folks that are in the aisles will dismiss you by rows to come down front to receive a piece of bread. Please come down with your hands cupped because this is grace. You can't just grab it and snatch it. It will be placed into your hands as a picture of grace. And then take that piece of bread. Don't eat it just yet, but dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding the cup. Dip it into the cup and then take and eat. And then if you would, go find a place to pray. And pray this prayer if you would. God, draw my mind to the ways in which I can see you as present and active bringing me to this day. Even, God, if it's in the midst of the agony and the fear and the anxiety that I suffer today. If you would prefer, because of the Omicron variant, if you would prefer not to come down and be a part of this, the people in the aisles also have individually wrapped sets of the Eucharistic elements, and I'm going to go through the liturgy. As soon as you get those elements, please go ahead and take the bread and the cup and welcome. Glad for you to participate in those ways. If you would prefer not to participate, that's fine too. Who gets to participate? Every one of us who understands our need for grace, and that would include your pastor, needs grace. If you know your need for grace, you are welcome today and every day around this table. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including today, January 16th, 2022, Remember, remember me. In the same way, took the cup, held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you take of it, including today, remember, look back, remember me. Remember me. And so whether you are taking by intention or whether you are taking with the individual elements now it's time. So if you would, come down with your hands cupped, ready to receive these gifts of grace, the gifts of God for the people of God. Go ahead and come on down.
Sarah, if it's okay, would you come and come down here? And, and those of you who would like to surround Sarah in, in this prayer, and Kelly, I'm sorry to drop this on you, but if you will pray this kind of prayer of recommissioning for her, let's gather around Sarah here if you're comfortable doing so before we send her back to her important work in Kansas City. Just right here at the altar would be great. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to pray a brief prayer of confession before turning it over to you, Kelly, to pray this prayer of recommission, and then Jason will finish us up with intercession and take us through the Lord's Prayer. Heavenly Father, we confess that sometimes the present, the present fear and the present anxieties are enough to intimidate us away from your grace, from away, away from hope, a stubborn optimism. We confess, God, that sometimes things are just too loud, too frightening. I'll give you a moment here to confess those things to God, the things in your life that may in fact be too loud and too frightening that tempts you away from hope and confidence. it over to Kelly. I want you to hear this as we finish this moment of confession. May the Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Spirit keep us in eternal life. Kelly, and then after you, Jason will lead us in prayers of intercession. Jason, do you have your microphone? Oh Lord, we bring before you Sarah this morning, and we thank you so much for her commitment to you uh, as she uh, co-leads the church with her husband Andy and works at headquarters, Lord. We just thank you so much for her commitment and her calling, Lord, for her missionary service, for all that she has done for you. And right now, Lord, we just ask that you would pour out your blessing upon her, that you would give her renewed strength, that you would give her renewed courage, that everything about uh, this weekend will be a renewal for her, that she would be restored, that she would have renewed energy, that she would just know that your spirit has been poured out upon her as we surround her, that she will know that there is a, a church here in the community that is praying for her, and that wants to give her uh, a hope for the future. And Lord, we just pray that as she returns to her responsibilities in Kansas City, 
that you would go with her, that you would give her safe traveling, and that you would just pour out your spirit upon her. In Jesus' name. Let's continue in these moments of prayers of intercession. Thank you, Kelly, for praying for Sarah. You can continue to take whatever posture of prayer is most comfortable for you, whether you're here at these altars or even making at home, perhaps, a couch, an altar for you. God, we thank you for our friend Cheryl Hall, who's even been texting me as she's watching on the live stream this morning. God, we are thankful for the way that she's had a successful knee replacement surgery. And God, ask that you would continue to keep her safe and whole. And God, bring her back to the good works of your kingdom. Would your presence and love be with her? God, we also ask that you would come alongside continually our friend Evelyn Slothauer. God, would your presence rest with her now and with her loving family? God, we ask that you would continue to care for and bring good news for Karen Martin, asking God that as she recovers from this fall that resulted in two broken wrists and a broken foot, that God, each day you'd be with her, lead her, guide her, and that your comforting spirit and presence would be so close to her heart. God, I thank you that you would, God, choose us to come alongside of so many. And God, there's no doubt that people have walked into this room with someone on their mind who needs a healing prayer from God. And that can be for anything. It can be for the brokenhearted. It can be for those who've experienced loss. It can be for those who are struggling with COVID right now, no matter the severity, whether they're in the hospital or just at home. And so whoever in your life fits into any of those categories, as Jeffrey plays, would you pray for that person in your life or those people in your life who need God the most? I prayed for many during those few moments, but one of them was Glenn and Betty Fane up in Wichita. God, we also ask for your continued healing and hope and health and wholeness for those who are struggling and battling cancer. In churches, I list a few names. I'm no doubt you have probably someone in your life that you can pray along with me as we pray for Scott Peterson, for Carolyn Fielding, for Bonnie Goodwin, for Dennis Bratcher, for Margaret, Mar Margaret Farmer and for our friend. God, we ask that you would continue to lead us and guide us to be your people. Thank you for the message you've given us this morning, people of the long game. And Jesus, we ask that week by week you would transform us into being your people who looks just like your son, Jesus. And we'll do that this week as we pray the Lord's Prayer together. It should be on the screen in front of you for those of you at home and also on the screens here at our church as we pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.